from here in the Holy Land. Welcome to the Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast. I'm your host, Yael Eckstein, President and CEO of the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. Each week, we'll explore the Jewish roots of your Christian faith and nourish those roots with inspirational insights and ancient teachings that are so relevant to our lives today. Let's get started. What is your name? If you're like most people, you probably have more than one name. You may have been given more than one name at birth, or maybe you changed your name at some point for one reason or another, or maybe you have a nickname. According to Jewish tradition, every person has at least three names, and one of those names is even more important than the others. I'm so excited for today's podcast. We're going to take a deep dive into the significance of names and the role they play in our spiritual lives. We'll explore verses from the Bible, the Torah, and some fascinating Jewish teachings that will help us understand the meaning of our names and why each one of us has the amazing opportunity to choose a name for ourselves. As usual, the Bible verses that we are about to study come from the Torah portion, the Parsha, that is read and studied this week by Jews around the world. This week's Parsha is called Beha'alotcha, which means when you raise up. It covers chapter 8 through 12 in the book of Numbers. Today we're going to focus specifically on Numbers chapter 10 verses 29 to 32, which record a conversation between Moses and his father-in-law. I'll read the verses to you now. Now Moses said to Hobab, son of Ruel, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law, we are setting out for the place about which the Lord said, I will give it to you. Come with us, and we will treat you well, for the Lord has promised good things to Israel. He answered, No, I will not go. I am going back to my own land and my own people. But Moses said, Please do not leave us. You know where we should camp in the wilderness, and you can be our eyes. If you come with us, we will share with you whatever good things the Lord gives us. In this short exchange, Moses invites his father-in-law to accompany the nation of Israel into the promised land. But his father-in-law replies that he intends to return to his own people. Moses tells his father-in-law that he is needed by the Israelites, and he tries to convince him to stay with them. The conversation stops there, and it isn't exactly clear what Moses' father-in-law decides to do at that point. But today I want to talk about something else in these verses that is also unclear. If I asked you what the name of Moses' father-in-law was, you would probably answer Jethro. That's what I would answer, and that's the name that the Bible uses back in Exodus chapter 3 when we first meet Moses' father-in-law. But in the verses I just read, the father-in-law of Moses is called Hobab, or Chovav in Hebrew. What happened? Did Moses marry another woman and have a new father-in-law? According to Jewish sages, the man in our verses is Jethro, the same father-in-law that Moses has had all along. They explained that Jethro was given the name Chovav, which in Hebrew means beloved, because of his deep love for God and the Bible. 
In fact, Jethro's love for God and his word was the reason why he wanted to return to his people instead of staying with Moses and the Israelites. He wanted to teach the Bible to the pagan nation that he came from, even though it meant forfeiting his place in Israel. Now, Jethro wasn't the only biblical character to have a name change. I'm sure you can think of a few. Abram's name was changed to Abraham. Sarai, do you remember what her name became? Sarah. And Jacob was given the name Israel. These are just a few of the examples of name changes in the Bible. The sages explain that name changes reflect a change in the person's character or their role in God's plan. It really reflects the essence of who we are. This was certainly the case with Jethro. In Hebrew, Jethro is pronounced Yitro, which comes from a word that means more. Jethro was the kind of person who always sensed that there was something more to life, something deeper. According to Jewish tradition, he studied every philosophy and tried out every form of idolatry that there was at the time. But it wasn't until he encountered the God of Israel that he found what he was searching for. Jethro stopped searching when he found the God of Israel and he came to love him. His name changed to Hobab, or in Hebrew, Chovav, reflected that. These days, we don't usually change our names, even though we may go through many changes in our lives. But the meaning of our name does change. And the way that people think about our name changes as well, just as we do. We determine the meaning of our name by the way we live our lives. According to Jewish tradition, a person's name is deeply connected to his or her essence. We believe that when parents choose a name for their child, they are given prophetic inspiration from God so that the child's name is connected to the child's soul, which is really connected to his or her destiny their place in this world, and everything they have to accomplish. And when parents choose a name for a newborn baby, we try to choose names that will bring out the positive aspects in the child or connect them to a person that we'd like them to emulate. I remember when me and my husband, Amichai, chose the names for each one of our four children, we decided to give each one of them two names to reflect two different sides of the reality that they were born in and the hopes and prayers that we have for them. One name was taken from modern Hebrew to reflect the new chapter in Jewish history that they were born into, and one name that was traditional, that came from a family member, that came before them, oftentimes biblical. My eldest daughter, her name is Chana Meora, and Chana is a biblical name. It's the Hebrew name for Hannah, and it's also in memory of my husband Amichai's mother. And so Chana is her roots. It's where she comes from, from the Bible, from her grandmother. But Meora in modern Hebrew means from the light of God. And this name reflects something new. Or Chadash Al Tzion Ta'ir. There will be a new light on Zion that will light it up, the Bible says. 
and as I gave birth to Mechana Meora in the Jerusalem mountains, she really was a light in Zion that was bringing light to the whole world. Our next son is named Liam Shlomo. And Shlomo, his second name, is the roots of where he comes from, both his two grandfathers and from the Bible, Shlomo is Hebrew for Solomon. Liam is more of a modern name, and his name is actually very meaningful to me because this is my first son that was born in Israel who will go into the army, mandatory army service when he turns 18, and the first letter of the verse from the Bible, lo yadu od milchama, you shouldn't know any more war. If you take the first letter from each of those words, it spells out Liam. And so Liam is our prayer for peace, a modern new time in Israel that will know peace. Our third daughter is named Sapir Miriam, and Miriam is after both Miriam from the Bible and also her great-grandmother Miriam. Sapir is actually a biblical word, but it's not a biblical name, and it means sapphire. We see it a lot when it's describing different holy situations like the high priest's breastplate or the Ten Commandments, we see that word, sapir, sapphire, there, and she really is our precious gem. Our youngest son, our baby, his name is Shimi Lev Zion, and he was named in honor of my grandfather, who was named Shimon Leib. And Zion in Hebrew means Zion. And so because he is our new child of Zion, that was his third name. And so By giving our children both modern and traditional names, we hope to connect them both to the new and bright future ahead of them here in the Holy Land, as well as the meaningful past and people that they came from, both biblical and family. Most of the time, I call my children by just one of their names, their main name. But at least once a day, I make sure to call them by both of their names. Because Judaism teaches us that the more a name is used, the more a person is connected to and influenced by it. Have you ever thought about your name and how it influences who you are? Do you know what the meaning of your name is, maybe in a different language or the intention behind it? Are you named after someone? And if so, do you know about that person? Our names are divinely inspired, and by understanding them, we can better understand who we are. But if you don't like the name you were given, for one reason or another, you don't need to worry. We are allowed to change our names. In fact, in Judaism, we do this all the time when a person is very ill. We add the name Chaim, which means life or something similar in order to add life and healing to a sick person. Or you might change a sick person's name altogether, making them a new person with a new life and a new mission in this world that is not yet complete. People change their names all the time for all kinds of reasons, and that's fine. The names that we are given at birth are never our only identity, but they are certainly a strong one. According to Jewish tradition, every person has three names, one that they are called by their parents, one that they are called by others, and one that they are remembered by. 
We've already discussed the name that our parents give to us, but what is the significance of names that we're called by others, by our friends, acquaintances, and strangers? In order to answer this question, I want to tell you about my Saba, my grandfather, my father's father, the one that my son, Shimi, is named after. My grandfather, Rabbi Shimon Eckstein, served as the chief rabbi of Canada's capital city. He was a distinguished man, a noted psychologist, a spiritual leader, and a respected teacher. However, the title that my grandfather was most proud of was the nickname that he was given by his longtime congregants. They called him the Hugger Rabbi. This name reflected my grandfather's warmth, empathy, and his penchant for embracing all types of people, both figuratively and literally, in a heartfelt hug. He gave the best hugs, but it wasn't only the best hugs that he gave. He actually gave out hug coupons that were redeemable for one free hug. He would give out hug coupons to all of his congregants, all of his kids, all of his grandkids. I remember even going over a toll booth one time and him giving a hug coupon to the toll clerk there who was collecting the money. And you were able to redeem the hug coupon from anyone you wanted for one free hug. It was a brilliant idea to bring more love into the world. My grandfather was given the name Shimon by his parents, but the hugger rabbi was a name that he earned through the way that he treated others. Of course, we don't all receive actual nicknames, but we all create a name for ourselves by the things that we do and the character that we demonstrate through our lives. The second name that we receive in life is a name that, for the most part, we can choose for ourselves. So what is the third name that the sages spoke about? The name that we are remembered by. And how is it different than the second name? To answer this question, I want to tell you a little bit about my Abba, my father, Rabbi Yechiel Eckstein. When my father established the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews in 1983, he endured a lot of painful criticism from both faith communities. He was misjudged by leaders on both sides who misunderstood his mission and motivation for bringing Christians and Jews together. It took decades of hard work and perseverance before my father was recognized and respected for all of the good that he did in his lifetime. You may already know, but my Abba died suddenly from a heart attack at the age of 67. And at his funeral, he was eulogized as a trailblazer, a bridge builder, and as a person with a huge heart whose passion was really to help others. At the burial, I'll never forget that one of my nephews started to cry out. He said, Saba, Saba, I want my Saba, over and over again. It broke everyone's heart who was there. And even thinking about it, I have tears in my eyes. Saba means grandfather in Hebrew. And of all the terms that were used that day to describe my father, this would have been the one that he cared most about. He was a family man, and he meant the world to his children and grandchildren. That to hear that essence of what he left behind, Saba, how all of his children, all of his grandchildren, already missed him so much at that point. That 
was the identity that he would have wanted to be remembered by. The most important one that he built and he earned. This is what the third name we are given is all about. We aren't always recognized by others for who we truly are. Some people are perceived as being greater than they really are, and some people are only fully appreciated after they die. But the truth almost always comes out. And the truth of who we really are, our third name, is always known throughout our whole life by God. In fact, this third name, the one that describes who we really are, is the name that God is most interested in. We need to make sure that the name we make for ourselves is a good name. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 1 tells us that a good name is better than fine perfume. This is one of those verses that is best understood in the original Hebrew. And you don't actually have to understand Hebrew in order to understand why I'm saying that. Let me read you this verse in Hebrew. Tov shem mishemen tov. Did you hear that play on words? Tov shem means a good name. And shemen tov means good oil, which is perfume. I'll read the verse again. Tov shem, a good name. Mishemen tov is better than perfume. I hope you followed that. The play on words is one of the reasons why the author, King Solomon, chose to compare a good name to perfume. But another reason is because just as perfume surrounds a person and makes them appealing to be around, assuming it's a good perfume and they haven't sprayed on half the bottle, a good name just like that precedes a person and makes people want to be around them. Do you know someone who always wears the same perfume? It becomes their trademark. In the same way, a good name becomes the trademark of a person that bears it. However, the verse tells us that a good name is even better than fine perfume. The Jewish sages gave five reasons for why this is true. They said, good oil decreases in value while a good name gets better and better. The finest oil eventually runs out, but a fine reputation lasts for eternity. A high quality oil is expensive while the good name can be acquired for free. The best oil can only be enjoyed by the living while a fine name benefits the living and the dead. And lastly, premium oil can only be purchased by the rich, but a good name can be acquired by everyone. A good name is one of the best things that we can have, and it's something that we are all capable of acquiring. No matter what name you were given when you were born, you have the ability and the awesome opportunity to be like Jethro and earn another name, a name that you can choose yourself. This week, let's take some time to think about what name or names you would like to be known by. Do you want to be known as kind and generous? Do you want to be known as a lover of God and his word? Do you want to be known as a family man or woman and a lover of all people? What do you want to be known for? And how do you want to be remembered? Once you know what you want your name to be, then go out and earn it. When we know how we want to be remembered, we know how we need to live. Shavuot tov, my friends. Wishing you a wonderful week from here in the Holy Land. 
Thank you for listening to the Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast. If you like what you have heard, visit me at mybiblicalroots.org for more of my teachings, videos, blogs, and books. You can also follow me on Instagram at yael underscore Eckstein or on Facebook at yael Eckstein. Shalom and see you next week.